Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to Truest Blood, the official True Blood podcast. I'm Kristen Bauer. And I'm Deborah Ann Wool. And you've been invited in. I want to do bad things with you. On Truest Blood. Welcome back to Truest Blood, where we sink our fangs into the series bite by bite. This week is all about the bad blood. We're talking villains, and not just any villain, the baddest boy in Mississippi, King Russell Edgington. The phenomenal Dennis O'Hare is here to spill all the royal secrets. Phenomenal. I mean, I... I I'm speechless. I'm shaking. I, I, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm shaking. Working with him was staggering. <sighs> but first, let's have a quick bite. Great villains and why we love them. So actors often say they would rather play the villain than the hero, which is such an interesting take. Do you agree with that, Chris? Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't allowed to play the villain for a long time oh. in my career. And then I got in somehow, thanks to Alan Ball and Charlene Harris. And now I'm typecast in and I don't want out. Well, and this is fascinating that you bring up Pam as a villain because I'm not sure everyone would agree that Pam is at least fully a villain. Right. And inside my head, I, I yeah. also have that. Well, so I found some quotes that sort of give us some insight into, you know, different perspectives on villains. And the first one goes right to that. It's by George R. R. Martin. And he says, nobody is a villain in their own story. We're all the heroes of our own story. Oh, that is so interesting and yeah. true for actors and also terrifying if you think <laughs> of it in the outside world. Very true. Very true. The other fun thing that I think villains do is they, as actors specifically, is they challenge you. And I, I found mm. this amazing quote from Mahershala Ali. And he says, I've always wanted to have more space, you know, as an actor mm. in, in, in his acting. And the scope morally is broader for the villain than the hero. So when you're playing oh, the hero, sure. you have to stay in this box. Yeah. And the villain just gets to bust right out of that. It presents a challenge, but is so exciting for an actor. Yes, yes. And I think it's why we love the villains, mm. because they get to do the things, say the things that we don't get to yes. in our lives. One, what's interesting is I think that applies both to the things that they do that are truly villainous mm -hmm. and also perhaps just in being counter to traditional culture. Because I right. found this other great uh, quote from Jinx Monsoon, who says, almost all the Disney witch villains are gay icons. Yes. Which is I can vouch for can that. Can vouch for that. You have been a Disney, yes. <laughs> a Disney villain, witch villain. Yes. Um, because they're fun and yes. because they they bust out of those boundaries. And and that doesn't just mean evilness. That means just in general yeah. being who you are. Uh, so I think of like flamboyance as yes, being celebrated clothing yeah, alone. Within, within that sphere. So that's always exciting for an actor. Yeah. And I think then the, the final point that was really interesting to me, because um, we talk about things being multi-layered, but also sometimes we need caricature. Yeah. Sometimes we need to be able to look at something and know that, oh, that's an extrapolation of something more subtle that's real. But yeah. if I can recognize it in a story, mm -hmm. 
it'll help me learn how to see it in real life. So I have Mel Brooks. A cinema villain essentially needs a mustache so he can twiddle with it gleefully as he cooks up his next nasty plan. So good. Which is great. And you know, some of our favorite villains have that caricature quality to them. Yes. I mean, Dennis O'Hare covers all of these. Yes. And we will ask him about everything. He is a perfect example of every single one of these qualities embodied yes. in Russell Edgington. My name is Russell Edgington, and I have been a vampire for nearly 3,000 years. Now, the American Vampire League wishes to perpetrate the notion that we are just like you, and I suppose in a few small ways we are. We're narcissists. We care only about getting what we want, no matter what the cost, just like you. Global warming, perpetual war, toxic waste, child labor, torture, genocide. That's a small price to pay for your SUVs and your flat screen TVs, your blood diamonds, your designer jeans, your absurd garish McMansions. Futile symbols of permanence to quell your, your quivering, spineless soul. But no, in the end, we are nothing like you. We are <laughs> immortal <laughs> because we drink the true blood, blood that is living, organic, and human. Hmm. And that is the truth the AVL wishes to conceal from you because let's face it, Eating people is a tough sell these days, so they put on their friendly faces to pass their beloved VRA. But make no mistake, mine is the true face of vampires! Why would we seek equal rights? You are not our equals. We will eat you after we eat your children. Now time for the weather. Tiffany? Oh my lord. We are going to talk to the king, Dennis O'Hare now. <laughs> I'm so, so excited. excited. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm shaking just, a little bit. An incredible feeling. So he, I am a big tennis fan, and I just think he is the Roger Federer of actors. And to everyone who doesn't watch tennis, that just means he's the best. He's the best of his generation. Yeah, absolutely. He's an American actor, singer, producer, author. He lives in Paris. He has an <laughs> Irish passport. He has 132 credits in theater, film, and TV, and has been nominated 28 times with practically yes. winning half of those. 13 This wins. is He's a, paragon a paragon of a person. <laughs> Deb and I have both seen him on stage twice, and we will never be the same. We will never mm -hmm. forget it. And he's just simply the best. Hi, Dennis. Hi, Dennis. Hi. Nice to see you. Tracker number one. I know already. Oh already number one. We have all. We've been hyping this interview up so much already on the podcast, oh, just because Kristen and I. You know, we had never watched the series, so yeah. this is what? in many ways our first time witnessing some of your work on the show. Now we've seen some key moments before. Yeah. I will say, I very intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I, now I yeah. watched the series because I was I yeah. was a fan before I was on it, and uh, I had no idea I would be on it. And so I remember my friend Don got bootleg v VHS oh tapes. God. VHS tapes. And he was like, you guys got to see this thing. It's called True Blood. It's basically softcore oh porn, but God. you're going to love it. I was like, what? And so he showed it to us. <laughs> he and, didn't lie. Uh, he didn't lie. And I got I to gotta say, like the first two, I was like, eh, I can take it or leave it. <laughs> But then I was hooked. I, just, I don't know what it was that hooked me. You know, maybe it was just like 
the world mm-hmm. or you know the character is probably vampire pam mm-hmm. hooked me yeah. you know what i mean probably probably that mm-hmm. um or jason's body <laughs> i don't know but you know but pretty soon we were hooked and um and so then i watched all season two the same way you know what yeah. i mean i wasn't i wasn't aware that i would be anything part of it so I was a fan, and I did yeah. watch the show beforehand, which <laughs> well, is crazy. Well, now I'm a fan. Yeah. So how how did you get the job? Yeah, how did you get the job? That's how we start asking everybody. I was doing a movie called The mm-hmm. Eagle of the Ninth, a Roman war picture mm-hmm. with Channing Tatum and Jamie Bell in mm-hmm. Budapest. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was in some like weird plaza in Budapest, and I got a call from my agent, Gary, who I adore, who I still with, and... um. He's a very sort of dramatic way of saying things. He was like, um, hello, where are you? I'm like, oh, I'm in a plaza in Budapest. Okay, so here's what I have to say to you. How would you like to be the vampire king in Mississippi on the hit show of Alan Ball's HBO's True Blood starting next year? And it was just kind of just like that. And I was like, what? What? Okay, sure. I would love that. And they didn't know um, you were a fan? Like, they was, it was... Uh, no, it was totally amazing. out of the blue. Totally out of the blue. And I don't know how it came about, but um, uh, I was absolutely thrilled and, 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 and knew what it was. So it wasn't like I had to yeah. do any research. And wait, now, when did you come on the show, Deborah? End of first season. What, end of first season, right. End of right, first right, right. season so I, and then right, stayed right. Um, through the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah but that's uh, for an offer. That's so interesting then to go like, oh, I wonder like what work of yours they saw mm-hmm. where they went, oh. That's it. You know, well, I think my I think I had this very, very aggressive and cool agent in yeah. L.A. called David Rose who's an amazing guy. And I think he sort of like played chicken mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. He was like, um, hey, it's David Rose. I, I think I think you're here looking for somebody who played a vampire king. And I think you've lost somebody recently who's going to play it. Oh. And um, you've got about two minutes to get Dennis O'Hare if you want him. <laughs> I don't know if he would do it, but you probably got like two minutes. I mean, if you're going to make an offer, I would make it tomorrow. <laughs> And they kind of were like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's amazing. Complete bluff. Complete bluff. This is why we have to have agents. Ooh. Because as actors, we'd be like, I know you don't want me. And I'm probably, everyone else would probably be better. But, yeah. you know, if you, I mean, I, I'll i be there. I, you don't have to pay me. That's how we would Yeah, I'll show up no, a couple hours early. I'll clean up afterward. Right. I'm no trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay for my own hotel. Mm-hmm. I'll pay for yeah, my own place. Yeah, I'm no trouble at all. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I did that on, on Brothers and Sisters, Brothers and Sisters, um, you know, Sally Field, Rich Griffith, yeah. um, Rob Lowe thing. I was on that for, I don't know, two or three or four seasons. And um, I played Travis, the campaign manager. It was a recurring role. It wasn't even recurring. Mm. I was a sequential uh-huh. guest star. Yes, Would you yes. guys know what that means? And so I paid my own way out to L.A. Wow. I paid for my own rental car. I paid for my own apartment. Yep. I rented yeah. an apartment from Susan Shotmaker, who's a um, casting director in New York and L.A. I stayed in her little place. And, you know, I don't know what I got paid. I did not get paid much money. Yeah. And um, worked my tail off. And after three years and maybe 11 episodes, we came to them. And we were like, um, hey, could you guys throw like $1,000 to, De- to Dennis to maybe cover his his car <laughs> and his air? And they were like... Oh. Forget it. And they fired yeah. me. Wow. They fired me for asking for a thousand dollars to cover my my seven hundred dollar round trip, you know, coach yeah. airfare wow. and my rental car and my stupid bungalow I rented in Hollywood above line, you know. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. 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 And this is why Dennis right now is wearing the SAG after a strike t shirt, because we yes. really People don't realize they think that they see us on the red carpet and that we are yep. in some sort yeah. of club where we're treated fabulously. Yeah. No, we're like a lamp to them. So, yeah. Well, we, I have, we, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So I've been Googling you and it makes me so nervous to talk to you. Oh, my. I mean, I Dennis, know. there's like. Yeah, I'm blushing. <laughs> Please. Hi. We know each Hi. other. Hi. <laughs> Holy hell. I mean, I, I got to work with you. Did you have scenes with Dennis, Deb? 
Um, just a little bit. He almost bit me. I, oh, you did bite me. Exactly. <laughs> Outside. I started it was... biting you. And then, and then they killed Talbot. They killed Talbot. And I let you go and I ran because yes. Eric killed Talbot. And I, and I ran to go find out what was happening. I remember that. And then I killed uh, Don Swayze in the woods and, and waxed him at the same time with that fake blood. That same day. That same night, I waxed all of his chest hair. Take, after, take by take. And wasn't Don Swayze like the nicest person in the He's world? He's the nicest person in the And she world. had to hurt him. But I did. He, he, I mean, he had to lie there he he had to lie there naked in the freezing temperatures and as that oozy corn syrup blood dried on his skin i was giving him sugar waxes every time i would rear up so the the oh things we do my god and did he our, win so did he like did no he, he was spectacular well? of course he held he it all together like... he sold every second of it he was a joy um but oh so god. was getting bit on the neck by dennis o'hare uh an, an honor that. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. It's a great, I, I have a photo of that actually. It's a great yeah. picture. Yeah, it's a very it's a cool one. Picture. Very cool. Yeah, I got to. I think I got to work with a lot of people. I mean, I got to work yeah. with Jason. Maybe that episode or a different one. I remember working. We were, on, we were on a porch. I got to work with Jason once. Yep. And then, um, uh, obviously, Eric a bunch with Alex a bunch. Yeah. And with um, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Jelko Ivana. Yes. Yes. So my very first episode of True Blood was with Jelko. I was, you know, I was young. I was 22, something like that, when I booked True Blood. I had barely done any film. I'd just done a bunch of weird theater. And so I remember that night I was being made. And so it was this really crazy, traumatic scene. But it meant that everything was this way and Jelko was this way. So his got left to the very end. The sun is rising. They're doing everything they can to block it so they can keep filming. And as a young actor, watching him keep his cool, he didn't rush. You know, he sold that performance every single time. He didn't let it get to him. And I I, even at the time, I was like, I'm learning something here. Like, I'm seeing something that I'm going to take with me because that was impressive. So yeah, he's a. I'm a big fan of his, whether he knows it or greats. not. <laughs> One of the greats. One of the greats. Yeah, I was. I was. You know, I. I, I got to work with uh, you, mm-hmm. Deb, you, Kristen, definitely many times. We had the mm-hmm. whole thing where I think we wanted to go walk mm-hmm. in the sun, and we were in Fantasia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, you're day walking, oh, and you day-walking were thing, you were then, all crispy. Um, you couldn't even your hands, yes. everything, and they kept feeding you Oreos, so the yes, inside of your mouth would be black. White. And and <laughs> yeah. you were so. I've got a picture of you with worse. your glasses on on your phone with those crispy hands trying, trying to, to read, read your phone. phone because you couldn't even really go to the bathroom by yourself, probably. And no. you were so no. patient. No, it was humiliating. You were so patient and so cheerful still, and like. Really, all the char- you've played so many characters that were uncomfortable physically. Mm. And, and- yeah, but yeah. I love that one. And you know, the, the funny thing about that one was that you know our, our amazing makeup yeah. people um, had given me these layers and layers and layers and layers of stuff, including like coffee grounds wow. at one point on top of me, and it was crazy. And then we laid out. Um, we laid out in the parking lot in Manhattan Long Beach. Beach. Where were we? We were down like yeah, Long south Beach. of L.A. Yeah. Long Beach. Laying out in the parking lot there and all day. And no one ever thought that maybe I was getting a sunburn oh. underneath all those layers of makeup. Because why would I? Right. And then that night. You probably smelled like, you know, fantastic. Two, like roasting coffee. I did. People kept trying to drink me. And then at like two in the morning, they're taking off my makeup. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh. oh. They're like, oh, maybe you had an allergy, and my face was bright <gasps> oh, red. Oh, no. And remember, one of the makeup girls was like, oh, my God, we didn't put sunblock on you oh, because we didn't oh, think about it. Why would you put sunblock on me? I have right, layers and right. layers and layers. Anyway, I got, like, this incredible sunburn, incredible well, sunburn. even worse, I would guess, because you were yeah. black color, so it was absorbing. You weren't, like, wearing zinc oxide, right? Yeah. If you had Absorbing, been, you right. were hot, Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. And I'm talking to two very, very Nordic-looking people. Yes, I'm very, saying, very white. Uh, I'm as yes. white as they come. You guys also yes. can sympathize. Irish, oh, Scottish. That's, like, my <laughs> yes. worst fear to yeah. be out. The yeah. Woolly Moors. To be out in the sun is <laughs> yeah. terrifying to me. And I wouldn't have thought of that either it's great to be on a vampire show as a as a as a nordic a nordic character but i also obviously got to work yes. with anna a bunch got to yeah. work with steve yes. steve a bunch 
um, my my joyful, beautiful, amazing lover, uh, Theo. Yes, yes, Theo Alexander, who played Talbot. This relationship. What an extraordinary relationship oh, you two yes. created. Yeah. I, yeah, please uh, share with us, you know, what that was like. Did, how did you two find your chemistry and how did that grow over the, the episodes? Well, I mean, I think the first thing about Theo is that, you know, that, that, that part wasn't his. Oh. Mm. It's supposed to be British. No. Do you remember this? No. That was written oh as gosh. British. He was supposed to be this sort of like very twee sort of like British guy. And Theo just came in and was like, um, no, he's Greek. He's like this. <laughs> he's, not, but he's like this. And he just kind of took over the audition room and they were all like, yes. okay, oh, that's him. Good for them. And so he became Talbot. I mean, come on, the name Talbot. <laughs> I know. About him. So they went, they went with him. And uh, he was such yeah. a force of nature. And mm. I remember the first read through the table read through, you know, everyone was nervous. He absolutely yeah. stole the show. Mm. He absolutely hit a home run to the point where I was like, <gasps> really? Fuck. Yeah. I'm fucked. This, this guy yeah. is going to like, you know, he's good. This guy's going to like walk yeah. away with everything. He was so good. He was so good. I was going to say, it's nice to hear that you have those thoughts too, because I would look at you and think Dennis is like, <laughs> Oh, oh totally. I'm, I got this. I got everything. I'm in everything, and I got everything. Yeah, between you and Fiona yeah. Shaw, like, because we're talking about season three and seasons before, so between you and Fiona Shaw, we're both like, how did we get the opportunity <laughs> to work with these two My God. paragons? My God. And then both of you are so down to earth yeah. and lovely, so it's such a We great... loved it. But no, yeah. I, th- I thought Theo was going to, like, you know, just, like, you know, steal everything. I couldn't yeah. get a laugh. I couldn't buy a laugh in that room. I couldn't buy anything. They're all kind of like, um... Theo's so great. And Dennis, we're so happy to have you. You'll be great. I'm sure you'll be great. But, um, and you know, Theo and I met, we went to um, Runyon Canyon and we walked around mm. and we created our own backstory mm. and talked about how we could have met mm. and, and how old he was. And, you know, with, with other actors, it's always a delicate thing of trying to, you don't want to tell them what you think about their mm. backstory, but you also want to protect your own thing. Yeah. And, he was so generous. We, we had a great time. I just I just was talking to him. I was trying to see Theo in Greece, and we couldn't get it together. I was mm. there. We kept missing each other. But, you know, I we will do it. I keep, every time I'm anywhere in the world near him, I try to I try to get a hold of him. Yeah. I loved him, loved him, loved him. Yeah. Well, it's so, it's so clear in the work, um, you know, just how connected you are, you know, even in the moments where there's – I don't know if antagonism is the right word, but you're not getting along. It's even clearer there how much love there yeah. is supporting that moment, which is so such a, a master class, I think, for actors well, also, to watch. He, he would be next to me in the trailer, you know, and I would yeah. hear him at lunchtime and he would be, you know, through the walls, I would hear him la, 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 in, in Greek. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my god, what's happening? What's happening? And so I'd I wait and I'd knock on the door and I go, Are you are you okay? He goes, yeah, I was just talking to my mother. What? Like, oh, okay. All right, sorry. It's so amazing. amazing. I love when the show would juxtapose this vampire, crazy, immortal world with just a couple that's annoyed with each other that's been married a while. Normal yeah. couple yes. Yes. stuff. Yes. Ult- ultimate yeah. relationship goals, 800-year relationship. Yes. Yes. Which is why it was so so terrifying when he when he died. That's why it yeah. was so awful when he yeah. when he died. I mean, you know, I I can't remember when he found out. Theo found out. Oh, when he was um, yeah. obviously bummed. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone hates to be killed off in the yeah. show, and and it was it was terrible for the character mm-hmm. to go. You know, yeah. that's such a great character, yeah. but you know, above my above mm-hmm. my level. Well, I mean, it, but it, I mean, it had an amazing impact. I mean, I think if you're if you're going yeah. to die on a show, then you want it to be st- a strong motivator for the story and for the people in that person's life. And this was not a death in vain. This was, no. you know, the entire show turns on a point with yeah. probably your most <laughs> recognizable moment on the show, which is and now for the yeah. weather Tiffany speech. Uh, which several oh people, God. including Alex Wu, have brought up as their favorite True Blood moment. Oh, yeah. Alex, mm-hmm. Alex. I uh, love Alex. So, yeah, Kristen, you had a great question about that Yeah, moment. I just – because everybody – I mean, it's just – when people think of True Blood, they think of pretty much that scene. And I wondered how that is for you. Oh, my yeah, God, that's crazy. We, I, it's 
all I hear, everyone talks about, people reference, and it is so bloody fantastic. I I just saw it again. I've seen it many times, and it only gets better every single time. So is that experience, is that how it is for you? Everyone brings it up to you. Is it going to be your fava beans, silence of the lambs thing the rest of your life? (laughs) Probably. I mean, you know, I mean, the funny thing about that is that Stephen Moyer and Anna Paquin told the story that they were invited to the White House Correspondents' Dinner yeah. um, when, when Obama was in office. And they were sitting with Obama's speechwriter or whatever, who was talking about True Blood. And he said that the day after that scene, Obama came into a meeting. I don't know what kind of meeting it was. Let's, let's say it was a cabinet meeting. And he was like, did anybody see what Russell did last night on TV? Yes! You know, I was just like, oh, my God. Wow. Obama is actually watching our show, right. number one, watching yeah. our show, and referenced that moment. It's yeah. such a weird thing. And, you know, I don't know why it actually had the impact that it had. I don't. I mean, hmm. I, I, if I give credit anywhere, I give credit to Alex mm. for writing a truly brilliant set piece. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a, when, when I got that script, I got it two weeks early. Mm. I was like, I have to memorize mm. the shit out of this thing. Mm-hmm. This thing has to be so in my bones mm-hmm. that I'm not thinking about mm-hmm. it. Cause it's, it's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And I don't want to, you know, I, I want to be completely ready for it. And, um, and when we actually shot it, I remember, um, Remember Simon, mm. our camera guy, on Simon J's? We've spoken to him on the podcast. Yeah. Love Simon. I remember he and the other cameras were all wearing ponchos, and the cameras were all protected <laughs> <Yeah>. with ponchos. <laughs> there was plastic everywhere because we had no idea where the blood was going to go. There was going to be so much blood. And the thing about that scene that's so amazing, again, it's like, it's you know, yeah, I, I, I did a good job. But so did everybody because yeah. it was a total group effort. It was an old-fashioned mm. gag. There was a guy on a fishing wire who pulled the tie. There's another guy who had a fake thing that he pushed through a mm. fake fist on the actor's chest. Mm-hmm. Somebody else was pumping a syringe with wow. blood so it would have the rhythm of an artery being severed. Wow. You know, you had a team of like seven or eight people yeah. doing the gag. You know what I mean? And I, I had my hand on, on his back and I had to pull off a, a spine that was glued to his back. It was the spine. And my favorite thing was they had these little things. We used to call them. Uh, I think they were called um, nurnies. Nurnies. Or they were nurnies. Nurnies. The little weird sort of like yep. rubber balls that would sort of snap and things. Yep. And the nurnies were really unpredictable. And as I was pulling it off, <laughs> they'd snap me in the face or whatever. And we, I think we got four clean takes four really good clean takes of that thing. But each reset wow. was a half an hour yeah. because they had to clean up everything. There was blood everywhere. They had to clean me up. They had to clean the newscaster up. They had to reset the gag. They had to give him a new shirt, a new outfit. They had to redress him. It was a massive yeah. sort of, mm-hmm. so I was nervous because mm-hmm. nothing can go wrong. Right. You just, every, and it wasn't just me. Everyone mm. had to be right. Yeah. The guy playing newscaster who was fantastic, you know, he had to be on it correctly he had to arch his back the right way he had to fall the right time wow. everything had to work so it's one of those weird things where you know it's the magic of preparation of everybody doing a really great job of you know of, of figuring out how it's going to work and then executing it perfectly and that means camera everybody yeah. you know everybody and we got four great takes four really great takes scott Wynant talked about that with us that that was all done practically mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that that probably mm-hmm. would never happen again on film. Yeah. And it's so much pressure on <laughs> no, each person. No. And as an actor, there's so much extra pressure to not be the the cog that went awry. The one who, yeah. When it, it, it yeah, brings up for cut, me. Cut. Right. It brings it up for me too, as someone who started in theater and knowing your, you know, theater has been and will always be a part of your career. And actually how many true blood actors are from the theater world. And I think some of it, I think Alan is drawn to that kind of perspective because it does require 
collaborative moments like that where you have yeah. to be part of a team pulling off a practical effect, which feels much more theatrical than it does cinematic in many ways. So, yeah, I, you know, it, it, it feels like it, it played on all of our strengths in that way. Yeah. yeah. But who knows, you know, who knows why a certain thing mm-hmm. is remembered over something else? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I, it's just, I mean, you know, I mean, think about mm-hmm. someone like Nelson yeah. who takes apart that art in the mm-hmm. books is very small and just becomes such a compelling presence yeah. that they, you know, there's no question you have to keep this actor. You have to keep this character because he's so, he's so yeah. compelling, you know, and, and Nelson and that, that character Lafayette hit in a certain way in our culture at that time, mm-hmm. that kind of representation, you know, it's very interesting. It's all very interesting. I have a question for you about, because you've done so many of these interesting roles. I mean, American Horror Story, every eight seasons, you did a different one every year. I mean, that's so <laughs> unbelievable. And yeah. how, I'm wondering if and how True Blood was different. I, every set is different and the actors are different and the network is different. And so yeah. from your experience, and every season is a little different, but how, how, how was it different? Yeah. I, you know, I thought True Blood, when I talk about it, I talk about it, it's one of the best sets I've ever worked on mm-hmm. because yeah. of the people. That's it. You know, there's no way around it. It's the people. Um, Mariana oh. Klavina, you know, mm-hmm. I loved hanging oh. out with her, spending time with her, hanging out with both of you. I love spending time with you guys. Alex, you know, yeah. Alex Skarsgård is <laughs> a riot. So He's a riot. You know, what was the thing you should say after um, after every take? He would do that weird thing you go, oh, yeah, thank, thank you. you, or whatever his weird Gomer Pyle thank voice you. he would yeah. use. You know um, oh, you know, Moyer, Moyer is a, a, a riot. Everybody yeah. who came in figured out how to like, how to, how to fit in in the right oh, way. Michael McMillian. Oh yeah. my God. You yeah. know, Reverend Steve Newland, yeah. uh, Adina yeah. Porter. Uh, you know uh, what I mean? Yeah. Um, Sam Trammell. I mean, you know, Carrie Preston, obviously. Yeah. I mean, all these people, just so many, so many amazing people. And also people who in a way know that we're lucky yeah. to have a job. Yeah. Mm. And so they don't take yeah. it for granted mm-hmm. and they show up ready to work, mm-hmm. happy to be working. Um, I remember, I remember there was some guest who came on who complained about the air conditioning or something about mm. the set being too cold. And Anna was like, no, nah, you don't get to complain. I'm not complaining. Yeah. You're not going to complain. <laughs> yeah. You know, and Anna was amazing though, because Anna was, Anna always was on time. Mm-hmm. She always knew her lines. She was always ready to work. She always gave it a hundred percent. And my God, she was naked and wet. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, you, Deborah. I mean, you know, all the naked things, yeah. and wet and dragged yeah. to the mud and all the things and never, never complained. Just did. She it. just did it, you know. And I think it, it's that willingness to never complain. Yeah. Just did it. But you well, know, it, so yeah. it, it was a it was a joy to work. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. it was fun. It's a fun group of people to be around. It was that combination, I think, of people who take the work very seriously, but not themselves mm-hmm. too seriously. Yeah. So we had yeah. so much fun and everyone was very generous with one another, but yet we were there to do the mm-hmm. best job that we could do. Um, yeah. Again, it's just so rare to get those two at the mm-hmm. same time, you know? Yeah. And other sets have been on, you know, they've been, they've been great. I, you know, I worked mm-hmm. on The Good Wife for a long time. Mm-hmm. That was a great set. You know, they're, they're great people. It's a different show, you know, yeah. obviously, you know, it, it, and, um, and a horror story is a, is a particular beast unto its own. And, um, it's a very, very crazy set and that can be fun sometimes. And that can mm-hmm. not be fun other times. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, it's, it's as jangly and crazy as the thing you see on TV, you know, behind oh, the scenes is just as crazy. And, uh, and that can, that, as I say, it can be fun and interesting or it cannot yeah. be fun and yeah. interesting. Um, but I, I didn't, you know, I felt like the True Blood cast was a family. And, you know, that's a cliche thing to say, but I really do feel like the True Blood cast is a family. And I feel like people are always happy to see each other. And I just feel like the bond there is super the strong. The bond there is so strong. We hear family a lot. And I, that leads me to a question. But, yeah. Deb, what's your... Yeah question. Well, I was just going to jump in and say, if you can talk to us a little bit about, uh, you know, one of the things we've discussed earlier on this episode is playing a villain and some of the specific joys, challenges of that, um, both, you know, as an actor and also just as a storyteller and how that goes. So I'm just curious, as someone who 
clearly created a, <laughs> a, a multifaceted villain on this particular season. You know, what is your take on that? You know, when you when you get that part, is there something unique that you you latch on to? Well, you know, I, I get, I mean, it's sort of a cliche, but, but, you know, a villain never sees themselves as a villain. Right. They see things from their point of view. And, um, I got so far into justifying all of Russell's behavior that I was a little bit shocked sometimes huh. when people will kind of say, Ooh, I hated you. You're an asshole. And I'd be like, yeah. what? Why would you, why would you hate Russell? <laughs> right. He's, what? He's saving the world. But, you know, environmentalism. He's saving the world. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I really latched on to was just the idea that, you know, he was a happy uh, vampire. Mm. You know, when I first got on, I remember there was the sort of there was sort of the vampire protocols. Yeah. Um, I remember some like very very helpful um, assistant was telling me now. Vamp- remember, we we don't smile when vampires and we don't touch each other. So I, I saw you you put your hand on someone, touch them. I was like, fuck that. Yeah. He's gonna touch that. people. He's gonna touch people. Yeah, he's gonna do what he wants to. You know, because I just uh, and and I he's I the get fucking the vampire style. king of Mississippi. He's the vampire king. I'm three thousand years old, but you know, I get that there's a house style about you know the vampires being a certain way. And I love that, but you know, I, I was happy to be the exception because yeah. I felt, I felt like he was mm-hmm. older than Godric. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in many ways he had his own sort of weird journey. And I, I think his power gave him a kind of fun swagger, but also a sort of joy. Cause I found him a very joyous character to play mm-hmm. for the most part. He was almost always mm-hmm. having a good time. Except, you know, except when it came to Talbot, suffering with Talbot and things like that. But for the most part, he was not angry and furious and frustrated. He was having a good time. You know, one of my favorite scenes, two favorite scenes ever did in season five were um, with McMillian. And at one point we killed a bunch of frat boys and they were dancing in their blood. Right. And it was just like a classic, um, a classic true blood scene of, okay, so you and Michael are dancing. Um... There are body parts all around. Um, don't slip in the blood. Try to like, you know, it's romantic. And um, it's just a classic, you know, true blood yeah. scene. Yeah. And the other one was when we came in and we invaded the wedding, the wedding party, there was a, a wedding going on and I killed the bride. And my favorite, favorite line for a long time was she was crying. And I was like, um, I was like, uh, oh, honey, you should worry about you. <laughs> Because she was asking for her mother, Mama, Mama, are you all right? I was like, Oh, honey, you should worry about you right before I killed her. But I just, I just, it's very true blood, you know. Yeah. And that goes to the, that goes to the, you know, you know, you mentioned something about, you know, something about why it was fun to play, but mm. it was seriously hard work because mm. you were asked to play huge mm. emotions. Yes. You know, at any given point, you're playing this like gargantuan yes. Greek style tragic emotions as well as mm-hmm. super funny bits and mm-hmm. super funny things yeah. i mean you know you i mean you, you've each had incredibly dramatic moments where you're confronted with something that's mm-hmm. life-shaking you know what a love affair falling apart or life and death or losing somebody um you know i, I never forget mm-hmm. when talbot died mm-hmm. doing that scene was a really difficult day for me and just like sitting with my my walkman yeah. on my ears and trying to listen to, I was listening to Schumann or Schubert. Mm. Schubert has a certain song cycle that I found very, very affecting. Mm. And I figured Russell was sort of stuck, stuck in the 19th century anyway in, in Germany. And there was this, I, I, so I channeled that to sort of have the moment of discovering his mm. goo, you know, and people are like, Oh, it's so camp, mm. but it wasn't camp. We were mm. not playing a camp. No, we were playing it for real. And if you play it for real, then it feels to the audience outrageous in the right way. Yeah. I have I have people ask me all the time about the difference between stage acting and film acting and like big acting and small acting. And I say there's no such thing as big acting and small acting. There's just truth and not truth. Mm-hmm. You know, and I yeah. I think yeah. pointing to you as an actor and saying, here's an example of some enormous choices, right? Big, enormous feelings. But we believe every second. And it's just that on film, that's harder. You have to do that truthfully because we'll Mm -hmm. see it if you're faking it. That's the only difference. So big, you can go big. You just better mean it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I just thought of somebody else I forgot about. Remember Mm -hmm. James Frayne? Of course. Yeah. James Frayne. He's absolutely terrifying that season. Yeah. 
He's spectacular. I only got to work with him a couple a couple of days, but I loved working with him. Oh yeah. my god, he was He's such wild. a joy to work with. His I energy. loved him. I, I remember when I, I got to be in that scene where you oh cut god. the magister's head off, and that was. I mean, I just love the things we get to say, right? Where you're just like, yeah, and I killed the bride, but right before the bride, and then I'm dancing in the blood. Remember the frat party? And I'm, I'm, I just now said, <laughs> hey, I was, I got to do that scene where you cut off the magister's head, and, and I basically was looking at the ceiling. I was lying on that table, listening to it, and you I was chained. chained. You were chained I was down, chained right? down, and. I'm so glad that I got to witness because you had quite a monologue and you were playing with it on its feet while the camera was rolling in a way where I thought, because I'm such a tennis fan, I was like, oh my God, he's the Roger Federer of acting because he's, it's in him and he's playing oh with it while the cameras are rolling, which is so different than my process. I'm doing quotes. Which leads me to a moment we had after. Like, I pretty much read it with this character. At a certain point, I would read it and go with my first instinct. When I would think about it, I would start to lose the the gut feeling I had at the beginning. I would start to think, I could do it this way. I could do it that way. Oh, I could do it. And then mm. I get lost, mm. right? And then I would be trying to find, wait, what was that first instinct I had? And I'd lose it. And I thought, wow, so maybe if you go all the way through that, <laughs> there's a golden place you could land that I saw Dennis in. <laughs> and you had asked me when we were sitting there between scenes, you were talking about how Talb you realized in that because you had Talbot read something for you where you said he can't read. He's 3,000 years old. He never learned to read. Oh, Franklin. Franklin. Yeah. Oh, did Franklin read something for you? Was that who did it? And, and you were talking to me about that. Yeah. He he showed me a document and I, and that was an interesting, I thought, wow, that's such an interesting discovery. And you asked me what my backstory was. And I was like, uh, I got an audition. I drove over to the lot and then I got it. Is that what you mean? (laughs) <laughs> I was like, oh shit. I don't know if I'm a real actor actually. But <laughs> you were flawless. You were flawless. flawless. Everything that came out of your mouth was flawless. Everything your that came first out of your mouth was so, genius, was so, so. Pam. Whatever you're doing, it was yeah. like, I mean, talk about fan favorite. I mean, everybody yeah. loves and identifies with Vampire Pam. Everyone is like, oh my God, I love her. I think we I all, I think you're right, Dennis. In, what you said is exactly right about the villains, and Deb and I have talked about this, and it's right for me too, where I thought that Pam was correct, and I thought that she was accurate. And when you yeah. were work, I'm wondering what your process is, because you're you work in so many different mediums, and you write and you produce as well. I saw, oh my God, I saw you on stage twice. I'm going to cry again in, in Iliad. Yeah. Me too. Oh my oh, God, that performance so in an Iliad, Dennis. Oh, I just remembered it. It's incredible, Dennis. Thank you. I'm so glad you got to see it. Yeah, me too. Oh. But what is your process? Part of it, I, I was lucky enough to have been brought up in mm-hmm. acting in Chicago, which is where I, I trained in Northwestern, and then I ended up in Chicago. And part of the Chicago ethos is basically fuck yeah. it. <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> What's the worst? Just fuck it. Right. What's yeah. the worst that can happen? Yeah. You know, and that means sometimes fuck the lines. That means sometimes fuck the blocking. Sometimes it means do what you want to. And it, it's not about being a baby or a pig and sort of like fucking over other people. But it's about when you have an impulse, you honor it because it may not come again and you don't know where it's going to take you. So you, you, you follow it where it goes and it could be wrong. It could be massively wrong, you know, but it's, it's that quote from, Oh God, I'm going to get it wrong. It's it's the quote basically is no artist is satisfied ever. All we have is a queer divine dissatisfaction. Um, Your job is not to be good. Your job is not to judge your work. Your job is to simply do it, Hmm. to be the vessel to do it because you never know if it will come again. And, um, I really do believe in that. I really do believe that, that because it's hard to both create and judge at the same time. Yeah. 
And that's for the editors and the directors. That's for, that's, that's for them to do or the, or the writers and say, that's not exactly my intention. Thank you for trying that. Now can you do it this way? And as long as you're open to other people's feedback, I feel like, you know, there's no harm. There's no harm in doing that. And I, I sort of never ask for permission from anybody because if you ask for permission, then you're having a discussion. If you have a discussion, they'll kill it. Yeah. You know, so I simply do it. And then you, it's like, ask for forgiveness, don't ask for permission. Yeah. That's that's what I believe well, in. Some of it too is like, you want to act on it when it's a feeling, not when it's a idea, right? So as soon as you start exactly. talking about it, it's moved up out of your gut and into your brain and is kind of no longer inspiring anymore. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. No, I was, you know, I, I guess I, being a theater actor first, you know, uh, there is that thing about every, every night it is live. And the, the, the needle I'm always trying to thread or the dance I'm trying to do is I don't want to mess up my fellow actors. Yeah. I want to, you know, make sure I give them what, what I promised, but I also don't want to mess up myself. And so honoring the impulses that you have, which may take you to a good place, an interesting place, they may take you to the wrong place, mm-hmm. but that's, You'll find out. So here's here's the Martha Graham quote, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard, but I love it and it's sort of ingrained in me. There is a vitality, a life force, and energy, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And because there's only one of you in all of time, this expression is unique. And if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium and it will be lost. The world will not have it. It is not your business to determine how good it is, nor how valuable, nor how it compares with other expressions. It is your business to keep it yours clearly and directly, to keep the channel open. You do not even have to believe in yourself or your work. You have to keep yourself open and aware to the urges that motivate you. Keep the channel open. No artist is pleased. There is no satisfaction whatever at any time. There's only a queer, divine dissatisfaction, a blessed unrest that keeps us marching and makes us more alive than the others. Oh, okay. Tear tracker. Martha Graham. Am I at number four? Martha Graham, baby. That just is so moving because that's our (laughs) lives. That's our crazy lives. Yeah. We never know. You never know. You you, you never, as I was saying with Deborah, you can't judge what you're doing and do it at the same time. You you can, but then if you do that, you're, you're in your head, you're watching yourself Mm -hmm. and that's, it's not fun. It's not fun. You know, And, and when you're doing it, you have no idea to know. Is this shit? Right. Is this yeah. irresponsible? Is this interesting? Is this true? Right. <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, we had some great guardrails on True Blood with our directors, you know, our mm-hmm. fellow, our castmates, yeah. you know, that we could yeah. pretty much know if we were totally off the reservation that someone would say, mm, you know. <laughs> it makes you brave. Yeah. It had, yeah, it was nice. Michael La- Michael Landon. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> no. <laughs> or who is who is who is script script supervisor Jane? Jane. Yeah, script supervisor Janie. Yeah, she was she was pretty honest. She was honest. Yeah. pretty honest. She was pretty honest. <laughs> well, Kristen, why don't you take us home? Okay, so we've asked everyone. It's been so interesting. Oh, no. What, this is your experience on True Blood. What Mm. three words come to mind when you think of your time, your experience on this show? Hmm. Gosh, that's super hard. No. Well, I mean, I will say um, sticky. (gasps) Very evocative. So many times was I sticky. <laughs> that one's for Don. Um, yep, we can relate to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will say sleepy. Oh, very, very, very. Because so many times we would finish shooting at six in the morning, uh-huh. driving back from Malibu, and fighting to stay awake on the one hundred and one in rush hour, trying not to go off, you know, yeah. off the guardrails yep. because I was just like so in rush hour, so. It was so painful. That was painful. 
It was so painful driving home those mornings, you know, the birds, oh, the, the birds, birds tweeting, you're like, oh, we're going to wrap finally. The birds are tweeting. Remember oh, the birds? I, would, I would grow to hate yes. the birds, actually. The birds first. I, the birds. Yeah. I guess my, my third word would yeah. be uh, elation. Uh. I, I felt, you know, a, a, a thing beyond happiness or joy, you know, when I think about that show and I think about the experience of that show, yeah. um, you know, it was just, it was, it was elation. It was, it was a heightened yeah. A heightened level of enjoyment. Yeah. Truly. Sticky, sleepy ocean. Yeah, that's very close to my feeling. <laughs> it's an 80s too. song. <laughs> yeah, that's that's could be your uh, autobiography title. <laughs> your rock anthem. Yeah, your rock anthem. <laughs> Sticky, sleepy elation. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dennis, thank you so, so much for talking to us. This lived oh up to God, every expectation we had. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the podcast. I'm a fan of you. I can't believe you asked me on. I'm very happy to be part of it. I'm very happy. Thank you so much. Uh, such a pleasure. You're just absolutely the best. And I'm so happy I got to talk to you and see you. Kisses. That was absolutely everything that I hoped it I could be. He... He gave us an acting lesson. He started talking. I was like, oh, my God, don't stop. I'm so excited. Um, You know, I'm such an acting process nerd, and I just want to know how everyone does it, whether it's go with my first instinct like you, Kristen, or, you know, his, like, find a vulnerable piece like like Russell can't read. Like, what an incredible truth, you know, nugget to place underneath there. So, I I mean, this is... This is so Yeah, it was me. absolutely thrilling for me too. That was one time when I felt like, okay, I, I need to up my game acting wise because I've now been in the presence yeah. of something very different. <laughs> yeah, he, he's and he's the most yeah. lovely. Yeah. I'm going to cry again. He's just the best. Right? Yeah, he's the best. I mean, as I was saying, between him and Fiona, it really shatters that, that, Fear that one might have of like idols yeah. not living up, yeah. you know, like they're just the most lovely down to earth yeah. people whose performances also blow you away. And you would not be surprised if they were right. arrogant assholes because, you know, You'd allow they it. earned it. But of course yeah, they aren't. That's it. That's it. Right. They're they're yeah. gracious and passing along their information. There's no, you know, quote unquote gatekeeping going on. They want everyone to be striving and doing the best work they can. I just, there's just nothing. There's just nobody, there's like, nobody him. like him. And I want to put in a plug for the movie yes. that he wrote and produced, Stephen directed, mm. and Anna and he starred in with Cynthia Nixon at Asner. It's yep. called The Parting Glass. And it's inspired by the events of his sister passing and the family grappling with this on this road trip. But I really recommend everyone see that. All True Blood fans. Yeah, the parting yeah. glass. Yeah. Tremendous. Well, that was pretty great, Deb. Next week on Truest Blood, Deb and I share our own stories from season three and give you some behind the scenes details. And we'll examine the myriad of ways that actors prepare for a day of work. I think Dennis was probably the perfect aperitif to that conversation. <laughs> So thanks for listening, Troopies. Subscribe and follow wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we'll see you next week. Y'all come back now, you hear. Truest Blood is produced by Safe Haven for HBO. Executive producers are Janina Gavonkar, Kristen Bauer, and Deborah Ann Wool. Our producer is Gabrielle Gallon, and our audio producer is Christopher Wool. Our theme song was recorded just for this podcast by Jace Everett. Additional music was composed by Timo Chen. And remember, you can watch all of the original episodes of True Blood on Max. Hacks is coming back, and so is the official Hacks podcast. With us, your hosts. I'm Paul W. Downs. I'm Jen Statsky. And I'm Lucia Aniello. We're the creators and showrunners. Each week on the podcast, we'll break down the new episodes. We'll also have special guests, cast and crew from the show like Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart. Hacks Season 3 is available to stream now on Max. Be sure to listen wherever you get your podcasts or listen directly on Max.